I feel like a lot of the value I have comes from my ability to create. And uh, placing value on one thing is never really that healthy. I know this, yet my brain still works like that sometimes. Um, our main character in today's movie, Muriel, finds value in her potential to get married because other people who she respects, in a certain sense, find value in it. And so it's almost like a copycat value. And you might be quick to judge that, but if you take a look at your own life, like most of the creation that I pride myself in, I pride myself in because not only do I like creating, but really I do want to gain the respect of others who also create that I respect. It's a very universal theme, and Paul Hogan, today's director, really brings that theme to life with master strokes of honesty. And he wouldn't be able to do this without the immense talent of Tony Collette and Rachel Griffiths. So raise those hands high and catch that bouquet as we abba down the aisle to Muriel's wedding. Welcome, everybody, to another great episode of Gentleman's Guide to Rom-Coms. I'm your host, Ryan Graves, and with me in a far-off distant land is my best friend and co-host... Sunburn Man. I'm Sunburn, Sunburn Man. Man. Uh, yeah, I'm Kelly McCrillis. I'm in Atlanta right now. That's where I am. Hot Atlanta. Hot Atlanta. You know, can I, can I tell you something, Ryan? They say it's Hot Atlanta, and it is. Don't get me wrong. It's Hot Atlanta, but it's also mm-hmm. Cold Atlanta. Like, I'm in this place where yesterday it was 84, and today it was 59 as a high. And so I don't know what to wear. Uh, but it's no weird. matter what, I'm sunburned. It doesn't matter it's like, how cold or warm it is. It's like Denver. You know, it's the land of a thousand seasons. Is uh, That's nice. You should write to the uh, the board of, of commerce <laughs> Mile and House, tourism. Mile High City, how about land of a thousand seasons? <laughs> Give it a try. How, Give it how, a whirl, guys. Ryan, how the heck are you way over in Portland? I've, I've been told it's beautiful there. I had a beautiful day. Uh, just to myself, me and my son went on three walks today because it's 75 degrees and clear, and what else are you going to do with a one-year-old? I mean, that sounds really nice, but you did just say you spent a da- day with yourself, and then you followed it up with the fact that you were with your son. So what I'm, what me and- He is hey, me. Ryan, Ryan, can you look to the camera right now? Looking in the camera. Okay, yeah. Can you tell me in the audience, because we both want to know, uh, is your son real? He's a real person. He's a we real don't boy? Have any, we, don't have any, <laughs> we don't have any photos of him on social media because we want to protect his identity. So I can see how you think he doesn't exist. I mean, I mean, by your own very admission, you were by yourself today. Uh. Yes. Anyways, uh, tell me how how are, what are you doing down there? I know that you can't really talk about whatever you're whatever oh, you're doing, oh, yes. but you can just tell me that you're you're working on a film project. Yes, I'm working on a film project. Um, gosh, I think I can dare I say a show. Yeah, you're working on a TV show. Have mm-hmm. any? Um, just curious. Have any strange things happened while you're working on it? You know, quite a few strange things have. Uh, I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't really want to tell you about the strange things because I wanted you to think that I was just having a great time down here. You know, I, I even got to swim in a pool the other day. I've, I haven't done that in a long time, but it was really dangerous, and so they said I had to get out. Oh. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's still, it sounds nice. Um, uh, also, it sounds strange, but it sounds nice. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it's both of those things. Hey, before we get into the movie, yes, uh, I wanted to play a game with you. <gasps> Is it game time? It's game time. Finally. I've been working twenty four seven. I've been waiting for this forever. We're gonna play a game, and it's called Two Guys, a Girl, a Pizza Place, and some plot synopses that you have to guess. No, One no, okay. it is called. That's what it's called. It's called Two Lies, a Truth, and a Pizza Place. But there's only one lie and no pizza. Okay, <laughs> that's it. Don't worry, you'll I'm... get it. Hey, Ryan, I know you're new at this, but you'll get there. Don't yeah. you worry. I'm going to read you three plot synopses. One of them is false. One of them is not true. Mm-hmm. Two of them are true. Mm-hmm. And since it's my uh, my game this week, uh, it's Kung Fu Edition. It's going to be Kung Fu plot lines. Kung Fu movies. Kung I know Fu? That you're, yeah. <laughs> Kung yeah. Fu, Ryan. It's my game. We can do whatever we want. And <laughs> okay. I know that... You're not as experienced in kung fu. You're 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 somewhat experienced, but I feel like I have the upper hand. So this was fun for me to put together, and just wanted to see. I want this is kind of it's like a quiz. I'm like I want to see where you land on the kung fu knowledge. So well, I mean, I've done some martial arts in my days, um, and I've seen some kung fu movies, but no, no, I don't have your encyclopedic knowledge of it. All right, let's go. Let's do it. Lay First it on one. me with a kick. Okay, Shaolin warrior Tung Shin Shen is injured in battle against the hated Wu-Tang Clan and nursed back to health by a knife-throwing master. As he recovers, Tung learns this deadly art and also falls in love with his teacher's daughter. But when a Wu-Tang attack disrupts the young lover's wedding, Tung must put his new skill to use as he seeks revenge. Ooh, okay. Wu-Tang, Tung, wedding. Mm-hmm. That's kind of rom-com adjacent. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm down for that. Okay, go for it. Okay, second one. Ying Ke Feng is a lazy drunken apprentice at the famed Shaolin Temple Jade Square. When he is caught drinking the temple wine, his master, Wang Chung, forces him through the five claws of death, a marathon of five challenges testing his mind, strength, and endurance. Armed only with a tiger nail and an apprentice's balance pole, Ying must survive the five rounds or face certain death. Can I ask you a question about that one? Mm-hmm. Just a clarifying question here. So, so far we've had the Wu-Tang Clan mm-hmm. and we've had Wing Chung. Yep. Okay, continue. Yep, I'll keep going. I guess it wasn't necessarily a question that needed that much clarifying. <laughs> uh, last one. <clears throat> Tan Jin Shi, life's spin... <laughs> Sorry, Tan... <laughs> they, their names are always these three-worded names. Uh-huh. Tan Jin Shi's life spins out of control when he's forced into exile to clear his name following the murder of his adopted father. He's hunted in the streets... His lover, Butterfly, turns to prostitution, and his father's likely killer, a smooth operator known as the Rambler, is always lingering nearby. But before Tan and the Rambler can slit each other's throats, they learn they've been double-crossed and go two against everyone in a rage of double-edged vengeance. (laughs) So you got Wang Chung, Wu-Tang Clan, Uh Butterfly Prostitute. Wow. Okay, so I know... I, I feel like you wrote all of these, um, <laughs> but especially that last one, it felt like it had some Ryan embellishments to it, mm-hmm. uh, just as somebody who reads your writing very often. Mm-hmm. I have to say, the first one feels most like a real kung fu movie, mm-hmm. but the third one sounds most you, mm-hmm. so I'm going to pick the second one. The second one is false. 
you guessed correctly, yes. my friend. <laughs> I am so lucky that I did that. Because I liked your process of elimination. I just really couldn't. I, I didn't know. I really didn't know. And I was like, well, those two seem like the most obvious ones. Like, <laughs> like the, the last one, I was like, wow, that really sounds like Ryan is just slinging like Kung Fu <laughs> knowledge into like a blender and then yeah. pouring it into a cup. And then the first one just felt like a real plot <laughs> and I couldn't remember the plot of the second one. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So tell it to me again. Can you read that again for the audience? The one that I made up? Yeah, because that sounded like a real uh, a real one to me. Ying Kei Feng is a lunk- lazy drunken apprentice at the famed Shaolin Temple, Jade Square. When he is caught drinking the temple wine, his master, Wang Chung, forces him through the fly- five claws of death, a marathon of five challenges testing his mind, strength, and endurance. Armed with only a tiger nail and an apprentice's balance pole, Ying must survive the five rounds or face certain death. Okay, okay so that one, I took lots of inspirations. Ying Kei Feng is the main character from another movie directed by... Uh, so the other ones that I read, the, the real ones that I used are two films directed by Chang Che, who's one of the like the 70s Kung Fu great directors. So if mm-hmm. you want to like dive into Kung Fu, check out Chang Che. You're going to you'll see something good. And so I just took the main character from a different one and just wrote a new plot because I wanted to have like an authentic sounding character name. The thing I like about those is like the details, like the, the tiger nail and the balance pole. The balance mm-hmm. pole is almost what threw me off most because I'm like, I've seen kung fu where it's just like okay this this pole is going to be like the thing i beat you with exactly (laughs) yeah i don't know like i was i was hoping that tiger nail would sound like a type of weapon like a like an iron maiden like a tiger nail is this like (laughs) i couldn't tell i was like thinking like maybe it is a specific kind of weapon or maybe it was a tiger's claw but why Mm -hmm. was it a nail (laughs) right so uh, Yin Kei Fang is the main character from a different Shang Chi movie. Yeah. Uh, I used Drunken Apprentice because drunken boxing is a legitimate form of fighting yep. in Kung Fu. So I was like, okay, he could be a drunken fighter, and that's how he could be like an apprentice. That's what he's good at. Um, Jade Square is a homage to the video game I was playing, Jade Empire. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I, I really want to see this movie now. I, w- yeah. I would, I would pay big bucks to go see that. Wang Chung is an actor who just passed away this week, and he uh, acted in many 1970s kung fu films. Uh, And that's I'm I'm almost positive the band Wang Chung took their name from this guy. Same as the first one I rolled you told you Wu Tang Clan, uh-huh. they took it from just a from the a villains. Bunch of, yeah, they were like, yeah, we're the Wu Tang Clan now. So, so, so I have seen that one, um, and they are cool villains. Like the end yeah. fight with them is one of the most epic. I like because that's the one where it's like in the room with a bunch of stuff falling down, right? I think so. Well, that was great, Ryan. Thank you for bringing me through. Hey, speaking of Kung Fu cinema of the 1970s, let's talk about Australian cinema of the 1990s, and let's talk about Muriel's Wedding. Done. Roll tape. Tell me a story, Turk. Let me tell you a story about love, D'Artagnan. I ask you about love, probably quote me a sonnet. I'm not much more than an interpreter, and not very good at telling stories. That's the end. What do you mean, that's the end? That's not. It's the beginning of something interesting. Listen, that's the end of that saga. The end. 
we first meet Muriel uh, at a wedding, and she catches the bouquet, the famed bouquet, you know, Man. one of the great goals in life. <laughs> and this famed bouquet is, is kind of like what sets us up for all the chapters of this film. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a very episodic film. It's a brilliant shot, right? Where it's just a big blue sky, and we're just sitting there looking at it until this almost, I, it almost felt like a projectile weapon. Yeah. The, the bouquet coming across that blue sky like a missile. Like a tiger claw. Like a t- yeah, like a tiger claw. Like the famed um, kung fu weapon, the tiger claw. Maybe the tiger claw is a dart and the balance pole is like a bamboo stick where you blow through the balance pole. Right. And that was you, like the killing blow. You can use it both ways, though. You can use it as a staff. But then like also if you have to go long range for a second, you go, Whew. Just, Master, what am I supposed to do with this tiger claw? And the master says, you will know. Let's get it on. Muriel catches the bouquet, and it, she's played by Toni Collette in, um, in one of her first roles, I want to say. Mm-hmm. One of her first yeah. big roles, anyway. And she's so, like, every single one of these women who are reaching for this bouquet are like a bunch of piranhas in a, a water and this chicken leg is being like dumped into it. And they're like, rah, rah, rah. yeah, but they're like, it's not like they're angry or something. It's just that they're desperate. They're so yeah. ecstatic to have this chance to catch the bouquet and they're, they're desperate to, to be the one to, that gets it. Yeah. So she catches it and she's happy, but then one of the other bridesmaids gets really upset that, Muriel caught it and she didn't catch it and the other bridesmaids her aka quote-unquote friends start chiding Muriel for catching it not her this other girl for catching it because you know technically she's next in line because she's been dating some guy for like two weeks or something six weeks (laughs) and everyone's yelling at Muriel and it's basically like these girls that she hangs out with are basically the plastics if they never learned their lesson and they grew up right Right, this is definitely Mean Girls Australia, kind mm-hmm. of. I gave him everything. I was half a virgin when I met him. Yeah, just blowing the froth off a couple. They're kind of the wicked stepsisters in this movie that they keep yeah. cropping up in all the different episodes. And that, there's four of see. them, right? Yeah. I, I, I don't even remember their names. It doesn't even matter. I, just no, I, mean. I, I, couldn't, I, I could not, for the life of me, remember people's names in this movie except for our main characters. And, and they're so bad that one of them even sleeps with the bride's or the husband, the the groom, yeah, and Muriel catches them. But she doesn't say anything, which is interesting as a character move. She doesn't tell. She doesn't tell the bride. She doesn't make break the news. Yeah, herself. And, and we we kind of get that Muriel is a quiet hanger on. She's kind of yeah. She's kind of the Peter Pettigrew or the Neville Longbottom of this group. Yeah, and she really wants to impress them, and she really wants to be good enough for them. She wants to pass muster with them. That's kind of her thing, is that she wants to be accepted by people like them. Right, who were the it, seemingly the popular girls in school, the plastics. Yeah, and so for Muriel, what we eventually learn, like the ending to this this little episode, is that she gets accused of stealing a dress that she's wearing at the wedding, and the cops take her. <laughs> and one of my favorite jokes in the movie is like, the cops go up to her and they're like, "Miss, we need to have a word." And she's like, "What?" It's like, and they're like, "It's about the dress." And she's like, "Oh, what's wrong with it?" <laughs> <laughs> this movie had so many great lines. I. 
for the life of me, I did not know what was going on because the lady looks her up and down. Like a like it was like, ooh, does she want she wants I thought to, she like, was checking her out. Yeah. And and then she comes with the cops and I thought maybe this woman and her have some beef and she called the cops on her and she was going like and the cops were her friend and she was going to insult the dress and be like that dress is a crime or something <laughs> cuz like it, you can tell from like the beginning of this movie that Muriel is somebody it's, it, she's everybody's punching bag yeah and Muriel like all she wants is to be like accepted by these kind of people and she gets carted off in a police car <laughs> So, so it's just the worst ending she could possibly have at this wedding. The worst beginning uh, that she could possibly have in this movie. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like, oh, poor Muriel. Um, and so we basically get that Muriel is like in her mid-20s maybe. She's living at home, and she's probably the eldest sibling there. I think she so. She has several she's, other siblings. She's definitely the eldest sibling of what seems to be a family. She's got four other siblings, and or three other siblings, and... This this is bleak. Like it's it's not bleak in the way that like, you know, some parts of Brokeback Mountain are bleak. It, but it's but, like realist. It's it's very like middle class bleak of like these people aren't destitute, but their lives are just kind of hollow and empty that they're living in this basic, you know, biggish house and their dad is like a city council member who's a failed state um politician he tried to be part of the the big federal government mm-hmm. of australia and he, and he lost his election um yeah the way you were describing him like the way th- i feel like i'm as i'm looking back on this movie it feels like the perfect combination between because you were talking about middle class right like all these mm-hmm. characters are middle class characters that are i don't know they're they're like uncomfortable around the edges yeah and and immediately it made me think of american beauty where it's just like they're not middle right. class necessarily, but it's like nobody's happy. And yeah, like American Beauty is like the ennui of the upper middle class, and right. Muriel's wedding is about the lower middle class. But so it's it's almost the perfect like middle ground between American Beauty and like maybe a John Waters film. Um, because well, <laughs> well, no, I because, wouldn't say there's any perversion in this movie, though. <laughs> no, I'm not saying that. It's just there's like a dirty quality to this movie that reminds me of like John Waters filmmaking. And I, I again, I it's I'm not saying it's like even anywhere close, but no, no one's not, trying it, to eat any dog poop in this movie. No, and that's not all of John Waters movies. But um, there's like this middle ground between like a shiny American Beauty style like Hollywood production and like a low budget John Waters where this has like a lot of filmmaking to it yeah. and is dirty and is realistic um, and is sad. This movie begins like so sad, but so there's something about the filmmaking that also gives me hope the whole time yeah, yeah. in a weird, yeah. I don't know why. No, I, I agree. It's, it's kind of like, I would say this movie has a glossy look at, a lower middle class lifestyle. So the lifestyle itself doesn't have the gloss inherent to it, but it's a glossy look at it. Would you would you concur? Uh no. Like his glossy glossy makes it feel shiny and new. And the- Yeah, I think PJ Hogan, the director here, he's got he's got a very like uh it's not that he's 
it's not that he's a fancy filmmaker. It's just that he has a dignified eye for depicting things that he has, like he uses a bunch of diopter shots where you see like yeah. these shots where mm-hmm. there's deep focus and stuff. So it's like, he's bringing in filmmaking techniques that are like not reserved for rom-coms. It's usually reserved for like uh, Martin Scorsese films. So I, my, I think my letterbox review was something like uh, mean girls. If it was directed by Orson Welles, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought a more apt uh, director was going to who 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 directed uh, Blowout. Uh, uh, Antonioni. Oh no, no Blowout. No. Brian De Palma. Brian. De- up it is felt, Antonio. It felt, yeah, very it De Palma. Felt yeah, like De Palma. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so let's get back to this movie. We we basically have Muriel. She gets uh, not arrested, but she gets picked up by the police. Then her dad gets her out of it, and then shames her in front of her family and like this person that this her dad is trying to like make business happen with at a restaurant like her dad's so mean like yeah such a mean guy that'll be shift out he's a city councilman and he's trying to like be a like a a deal maker in town and and they live in a town called porpoise spit (laughs) (laughs) did you look up whether that was a real place or not i i figured it wasn't real but i would be sad if it is real I, I kind of want it to be real and I kind <laughs> yeah. of want to go to Porpoise Spit. <laughs> yeah. Not not because I like it, but I like this movie. Spoiler, yeah. I guess. But he's like reeling and dealing and trying to be trying to have status. And it's something that they both realized at the end of this movie, uh, I'm getting ahead of myself a little, is that she's trying to have status to be liked by these mean girls, the the plastics of Australia. And she's just like her dad, that she'll do anything to get them to like her, and he'll do anything to get the whole city to like him. Yeah. And yeah. He, he'll, he's desperate for attention. Her dad wants status, and she wants status. And there's nothing necessarily real there. It comes from real places of like shame. And we don't know where his comes from, but hers comes from never like living up to basically her dad's expectations, basically, and yeah. him not giving her any guidance. Yeah. And, and s- I think we should mention the mom as well at this point Mm -hmm. in time because um, she is amazing. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know her name. Oh, I think it's Jeannie Drynan, Betty Heslop. She has this look to her that I like and I want to put in more films where Mm -hmm. she, at one point in time, like just to lay out her character, she's kind of typified as this like housewife who does everything for her kids and her husband and has absolutely no life of her own. Mm-hmm. But we kind of sense that there's something, I don't know if it's uh, like she has some sort of um, mental disability or if she's just been like, had the life kind of sucked out of her. I think it's that, that I think yeah. that's it. That, like I, I, yeah. Cause the dad at one point in time is like, there's something wrong with her. And it's like, I don't think so. I think she's just, I think she just has no hope and she's like crawled into a ball inside of herself. Anyway, so we're introduced to this family. And then at one point in time, she's she's basically given a blank check by her mom to go like buy beauty supplies to work for this woman who we find out is also sleeping with her dad. Mm-hmm. And instead of doing that, she blows it off, right? Takes this blank check and goes to Bali because, oh, t- tell... Before this happens, she also gets dumped by her friends. Yeah, her friends dump her because she's not cool enough for them. And they're like, we're going on vacation to Bali. And you're uh, not cool. <laughs> they you're just not basically cool say enough. you're not cool. 
I didn't steal the dress. It was a mistake. It's not the dress. It's you. We've told you a thousand times how to do your hair, but you never listen. You never wear the right clothes. You're fat. You listen to 70s music. This is the 90s. We all listen to the baby animals. And Nirvana. You bring us down, Muriel. You embarrass us. You're not cool enough to come with us. And she's devastated. And it's a brilliant scene where they do this because and this is why PJ Hogan does such a good job with the scene is that we start the scene where she finds out that the br- the bride that we had met found out that her husband is cheating on her, but she doesn't know with who yet. Yeah, um, she just knows that he had lipstick on his dick. <laughs> There's a lot of dick sucking in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> and so she she's like doing the classic like rom-com like uh high maintenance high maintenance girl crying where it's it's played for laughs and we're not supposed to feel bad for her we're just like oh boohoo and it's just this like funny scene and then the scene plays out where they're talking to Muriel and they're like Muriel we're breaking up with you and it's devastating to her and Muriel like just says she real cries she real cries and says I'm not nothing we feel really connected to Muriel and it's not like comic crying it's like real crying so it's the same scene and he he has these like uh polar opposite like emotions that are the same action which like this i have to say this movie like did that thing that i love where it didn't trick me but it took me on twists and turns because i was for sure i thought for sure that like if i was in muriel's position and these girls were like hey, you you kind of suck compared to us and we don't want to go on a vacation with you. And in fact, we don't want to be your friend since Muriel knows who actually cheated on like that friend who is there at that table who was actually the one who had sex with um, you the, know, bride. the bride's boyfriend or the yeah. bride's groom. Yeah. Like, why didn't she say it was her? She did. Right. It. Like that seemed like the the best revenge moment. Um, but no, she's just devastated and doesn't even think to do it because she's not mean. Right. It's it's not even that she was so noble that she's like, I'm not even going to take that road. It's just she does. She's just not that bright <laughs> where she doesn't realize that she's ho- she's holding on to this this hand where she could bring down the hammer, but she doesn't. Yeah, she's not bright, but I love that about her character. Yeah, it's it, she's, she's not emotional. Bright, but she's, yeah, and she's needy, and she is trying to find out who she is because she's been dumped on her whole life. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the the establishment in the first act is basically her father is terrible and is verbally abusive to his entire family and basically berates his whole family and says, you're all nothing. You've amounted to nothing. You're an embarrassment to me. You've never done well. And, you know, I I don't like any of you. And he (laughs) says that to like his wife, to his kids. <laughs> like there's one scene where one of the sons is supposed to be mowing the lawn and instead he's just playing soccer. <laughs> no, I, I think he's he's playing rugby with himself. Or rugby. Yeah. <laughs> but I love him like commentating on his whole like living in his imagination. How thing. does he do it? How does he run so fast? <laughs> so you've done, like, you've done that before, right? Oh yeah. Okay. Muriel gets this opportunity where she gets a blank check from her family, and we're kind of like you know what? Screw him. Take the money and run. We we yeah. totally get why Muriel would do it, but we also are thinking we're thinking five steps farther than Muriel is, and we're like, Muriel, there is like there's, there's no an end running game here. Yeah, <laughs> there's no getting away from this. Like you're screwed when you get back. But you know what? Take a week off. Go enjoy yourself. She's doing that thing that maybe a a 15 year old would do, where they're like, I can get away with this. 
by just like like step one, get away with it. But right. but like step three is don't get caught. And Muriel doesn't like Muriel, even... you stole money from your own family. You are caught already. <laughs> yeah. And then <laughs> and then when she comes back home uh, later on, she's just like, oh, they caught me. I better run away. <laughs> and I believe it because like she's kind of the character that would do this. Yeah. And it's not that she's stupid. It's that she's just that's just not how her mind works. She, yeah. She's focused on other things. And so she goes to Bali and uh, first thing that happens when she's there is her friends who just dumped her get super pissed that she followed them, throw a drink in her face, and then she meets Joanne. Joanne? Ray- Rhonda. <laughs> What's her name? Those names couldn't be more different. I think it's Rhonda. It's uh, it's Rachel Griffiths is the actress playing Rhonda. Rhonda, who is um, kind of the free spirit Janicean of this movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She was uh, in high school. She was the Janicean then, you know? Yes. Yeah. And she's just like, hey, you're Muriel. I remember you. Remember me? And we're from high school. And and she's basically like, what are you doing here? And Muriel does the classic rom-com thing. And she like makes this lie that she has to kind of like stick with for a while. <laughs> like, I love that her lie is, oh, I'm here uh, cheating on my husband because she kind of just fiance. lets. No, fiance. Yeah, Tim- fiance. Tim. She lets Rhonda fill in the blank. Tim, Tim Sims. Tim Sims. <laughs> Tim. <laughs> uh, and so they're like, "Hey, let's hang out." And uh, the first interaction we get, where we're like, "Okay, we're in, we're officially in love with Rhonda," is like Rhonda goes up to the Australian Plastics, and they're like, "Hey, Rhonda," and the Plastics are like, "Hey, you should hang out with us, Rhonda." And she's like, "Oh, can I?" And then she's the one who throws the hammer of like, "By the way, your friend is the one sleeping with your husband." Yeah. And I, I like, don't you always want a friend who like, if you're too afraid to do something, they're like, hold my beer. I got this. Um, you've, you've been that friend for me in cer- certain circumstances. Have no, you haven't right. spilled tea on anybody. That's the right term, right? Kids. <laughs> I mean, wait. Oh yeah. That is the right term. Good job. Uh, I had but, to think about it cause I'm old, but there are circumstances where I'm like, you know, I, I don't know how to handle like X, Y, Z. And you're like, I got it. Like something, something classy where it's like, I don't know how to tip a valet when I'm on this thingy. And you're like, this is how you do it. You do the, I like, tipped three valets this week. There you go. See, you have the skills. I, I need to learn from you. You're my Yoda. It's, uh, it's, it's all, it's all in the, it's all in the handoff. It's, yeah. It's, it's in the wrist. No, no, we'll work on it. <laughs> we'll do more handshakes when I get home. I'm like Joey Tribbiani trying to tip with like a loose change. <laughs> The guy still won't put out, huh? Nope, zilch, nothing. <laughs> uh, she spills the tea, and then like there's apparently a uh, a fight that happens between them because we see the cheater get um, a black eye. They get a black eye later, and then and it's then one of those movie... Schadenfreude shots for like, ha ha. Yeah, where it's like, I mean, I don't, I don't like any of you, but I'm glad one of you's hurting. <laughs> you, you got someone got some comeuppance in this group, and then Abba. Abba, there's so much Abba, 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 Abba. Robin was so excited when she heard that we were going to watch this movie, and now I know why. Robin loves Abba, Abba, Abba. Abba. Okay, Abba Christie, (laughs) Um, Abba boy, Uh, (laughs) Abba boy. So (laughs) she, they, they like do this dance sequence where they're dressed up in. 
Abba. Abba? Abba-esque clothing. <laughs> and uh, then the other ones fight. It's like this delicious, like, cathartic. It's just a cathartic scene. Yeah, they, they do this lip sync competition, and it's and it's really brilliant if you watch it. Just look at Tony Collette at the very beginning, where she's very shy and embarrassed. And there's something in Tony Collette's performance, and I wouldn't be surprised if PJ Hogan told her, like, okay, in this movie you're playing a 25-year-old, but play the scene as a 15-year-old or, like, a 13-year-old. Like, be kind of, like, shy and, like, afraid of all this hormonal teenager new things because she's... It, it she looked like a junior hire on in a talent show maybe yeah maybe junior high is good because it felt like she hadn't moved her body much before yeah where she was like i don't know how all these things work so i'm just going to keep them very still yeah so she's very shy at the beginning of it by but by the end of it rachel griffith's like come on come on it's like let's yeah. let, let, let loose and she is and she's having a good time and you're like way to go muriel you're just and happy then, for her and we get this bonding yeah i'm happy for it too like this movie this movie makes me root for our main characters so hard mm-hmm. just because they start from such a low place. And so every win they get feels like, I don't know, it just feels like a big step forward. And then there's the scene by the pool where they're just drinking this big, they won a big bottle of champagne. <laughs> that was their yeah. innings. The biggest bottle of champagne in the world. Yeah. And they have that conversation where they're sitting by the tree and I don't know. They just have that bonding friend conversation where you can tell that these two people are going to be better friends, friends for the rest of their lives. Yeah. Yeah. Best friends forever. BFFs. So I thought I read the plot synopsis and it described this part of the movie, but it didn't describe anything past it. So I thought the mm-hmm. rest of the movie was set in Bali. And I was really oh. surprised that as soon as they were leaving, I was like, Oh, I don't That's know like what the rest of the movie is going to be about. The movie. <laughs> yeah. So she goes home and her family's like, oh, Muriel, you're home. What the hell did you do with all our money? And then she's like, peace, bye. <laughs> she just, I love, I love that she like picks up her bags and just walks back downstairs. <laughs> yeah. Her to Abba. Mom, though. Set oh, to Abba. Yeah, to Abba. All, everything uh, to Abba in this movie. Oh, and I feel like we left out one key thing about Muriel. We already kind of got at it with the bouquet, but we also learned that Muriel's number one goal in life is to get married and to have a wedding. Not even to be married necessarily, just to have a wedding and yeah. to be a bride. We we don't we don't quite understand where this comes from, except perhaps that it's it's something about the culture of where she lives, where that is like the main goal in life, and she will become something more or change if she gets married. We hear from her later in the movie is for her getting married and being a bride is the definitive marker for the plastics. It's to tell the plastics, I matter. You were always wrong to look down on me. This has proved you wrong definitively because I'm a bride. Right. And then she, she basically moves to Sydney, hangs out with Rhonda, Rhonda. And uh, like, there's some, there's a lot of moments of her like kind of, you know, just doing that thing where you move to a new city and change and grow as a person where she like goes on dates. She um, almost has sex and and doesn't because the sailors that Rhonda <laughs> is having sex with like think she's being think, attacked, think she's being attacked by this boy who's just like as experienced as she is, basically. And she that's works at a, a video store. <laughs> The, the scene with the boy where he's this very awkward, cute guy that just wants to date her and he just likes her for who she is. They have this scene where, you know, they're 
canoodling and he's like undressing her and she's like hysterically laughing like lots of different emotions but it reminded me of like uh it's not like i made out with any girls when i was in junior high but it just reminded me of just like a nervous teenage girl of like sure i enjoy this but i don't know what to feel and so i'm just gonna laugh nervously but i'm also having a good time too i think this would have i don't think she'd lost her virginity at this point it seemed like it it seemed yeah. like lots of emotions were going on and like if you're that if you're that sensitive or something and somebody's kissing you you're like ah ah." (laughs) like this is a lot right now and then she sees the the other penises and then (laughs) she she (laughs) just gets hysterical when she sees the other other penises on stage so good i Uh, felt so bad for bryce though i know (laughs) uh i i want to ask you did you ever have a moment where the there's this this episode in Friends when Ross and Rachel finally get together and they start kissing and st- Rachel starts laughing at him because she's so uncomfortable that it's not that she's uncomfortable with him, but it's just like a new thing. Has that ever happened to you where you're kissing a girl, you're doing something and she starts laughing? Or have you always been suave? I mean, I've had lots of moments where, you know, I'm kissing someone and we're laughing, but it's not like we not kiss a, for the- Hey, we're having fun, but a laughing of like, why are you laughing? This is weird. Um... No, not a not a not a weird laugh. I, I've gotten a joy laugh before. Oh, okay. No, it, I guess sounds, I'm alone no, in my principles then. No, no, it's, it, that wasn't. That sounded more braggadocious. It was <laughs> it was a joy laugh because it was a long time coming, not uh, because okay. it was such a good kiss or something. I, Sarah and I had that only because it was very similar to the Ross and Rachel thing, where it's like we were friends for so long, and like when we finally start to do stuff like kiss each other. There was one day where she's laughing and it was she reacted just like Rachel does in that scene where she's like, it's it's just that it's new. It's weird, but I like it. So let's just keep going. It's like it it totally kills like the guy's like intention to be suave of like, well, you're laughing. How can I be suave when there's laughter in this context? I don't feel suave. I kind of I kind of like that, though, because if there's no if it if there's no suaveness anymore, then all of the pressure's off. It, it, and it is probably one of the most real feelings we or like real interactions that we had. It's like, OK, this makes me feel comfortable with you. Nonetheless. Well, OK, like, I, I am going to say like Robin is very ticklish on one side of her body <laughs> and um, the like if I ever kiss her in a specific like place on her neck she will immediately start laughing (laughs) and like there are definitely times where it's been like no okay we were just go we were just starting to go somewhere and now and she's like well you can't kiss me there i'm like i can't remember all the time (laughs) it's hard sometimes you have to write down a list anyways (laughs) there there here there you go now we're bonded you and I. <laughs> the rest of the movie is pretty episodic, but one of the big dramatic points that we find out is that Rhonda, uh, right after she has this tryst with some sailors, uh, <laughs> kind of collapses and she says she can't feel her legs. And at first during the scene, it was like, did she get roofied or something? This is weird. Um, oh, see, I knew it immediately what it was for some reason. It just yeah. it felt so significant. Yeah, and so we find out that she's got Rhonda's got a tumor on her spine and they have to do surgery and she's got cancer. Um, and it's one of those things where it's like, you know, a lot of different stories. It would feel like cheap melodrama to do like a cancer storyline where the friend is like ridden to a wheelchair, but somehow this one works. It gets away with it. Yeah. It doesn't only get away with it, but it like, it feels like a hard left turn. Like life feels like when, when something dramatic happens in your life, it felt like, Oh shoot, 
I wasn't expecting this. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and she's such um, a free spirit that, you know, being in a wheelchair really does destroy her trajectory. Yeah, it just changes her life completely. And but uh we we get to see their relationship get better through this because uh Muriel Muriel who has changed her name to Muriel at this point in time because she's trying to create a new persona for herself is just there for her and there she's trying to get her through rehab um but this whole time we're also getting this sub story where Muriel is going to every single uh wedding dress shop in Sydney and trying on dresses uh, like with the with the intent of just getting a bunch of pictures taken through her sob stories so that she can fill up a wedding book at home with all of these Polaroids of her in a wedding dress. It's very sad. It's her crutch of like, well, maybe I'm not a bride yet, but I have these photos, so it's close, so it's something, but it's not it's not the real deal, but it's it's something to get me by. It's it's almost like I wanna call it like it's goal masturbating <laughs> because like she's it, I mean that that but masturbating isn't necessarily unhealthy so it's not it's not the perfect metaphor it's just that she keeps doing this thing which isn't real for her and it's not healthy it's it's almost just perpetuating this this like unhealthy desire to to get married yeah a more innocuous version would be having like a character in some setting where they haven't been touched in a long time so they go and like get like a pedicure or a manicure or like a massage yeah, or something of like yeah i just needed to be touched even if it is just in this like straight grooming way i just needed some human interaction you know mm. and this is kind of it's like a substitute that deep down i think muriel gets like this isn't good enough but it's something yeah, it's just almost something that's filling a void for now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it all comes to a head, though, when Rhonda finds the book full of the photos. And she's like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, and then finds her at one of these dress shops and just confronts her on it. And that's when we have the huge breakdown. I want to get married. I've always wanted to get married. If I can get married, it means I've changed. I'm a new person. How? Because who'd want to marry me? Tim Sims. There is no Tim Sims. I made him up. In Paul spit, no one would even look at me. But when I came to Sydney and became Mario, Bryce asked me out. And that proves I'm already different than I was. And if someone wants to marry me, I'm not her anymore. I'm me. Her. Muriel! Muriel Heslop! Stupid, fat and useless! I hate her! I'm not going back to being her again! Oh, why can't it be me? Why can't I be the one? Muriel is f- forced to face the fact that she is sad. Yeah, and feels... Basically, that she's depressed, that she has nothing that she wants in her life. That she feels rejected in life, and the psychology is very basic. It's like her self-esteem is all stemming from the way her father treated him, and it's very real, accurate way of depicting how your family of origin can have a tremendous effect on your identity, and that is that is some verbiage I've been learning in my own therapy sessions <laughs> um hey therapy is great people out there if you need it it is so so helpful get some 
Yeah. So, I mean, at this point in time, then she also gets, you know, tracked down by her dad because her dad's been looking for her and her dad's also been going through this like inquiry with the law because he's been like, I don't know, he's been taking bribes and maybe tax evading. He's been, he's been doing things that politicians do to get in trouble. Yeah. And so he's, he's, he's getting in trouble. He's, he's on the door of really being like losing his entire career outright, if not just going to jail. Um, but he's doing his squirmy, you know, local politician way to stay out of it. But, you know, we find out that her dad's divorced uh, Muriel's or mom. Or is going to. And yeah. He's going to, and he's, you know, he's in love with the beautician in town. The just stuff is just breaking down in a way that isn't, doesn't feel filmic it just feels very real life of like god life is complicated in your 20s and i don't know why it has to be this way and and ryan do you have your seatbelt on oh i've got my seatbelt on good because we're we're gonna do a real sharp turn here where muriel is gonna get married (laughs) (laughs) she answers an ad for somebody who's looking for a wife she's this desperate at this point in time she shows up at this pool where there's this She's pointed out to this guy who is the one who presumably pays the ad. And he's like this coach and he's yelling at people in the, the pool. He, he doesn't seem like a bad guy, but, you know, he's a little older than her. Yeah. And then this Adonis steps out of the pool and the coach is like, this is the guy you're going to marry because he basically needs a green card so he can compete for Australia in the Olympics. Be- because he's this <laughs> South African immigrant who had to flee Johannesburg or whatever for some reason. I, I couldn't catch on to the politics, but it was something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, if you were describing this plot to somebody, I feel like you'd sound like a crazy person. Or like, like imagine pitching the script like in in the room, and you're like, okay, and then Muriel goes here, and then this happens to her, and then she marries the swimmer who has to come here for a green card because he's gonna win the Olympics, and it's just <laughs> it it feels like a straight out of college script, right? But, but it, it isn't. It's one of those things where the people are listening to the pitch meeting and they're listening to PJ Hogan pitch it, and they all look to the person who brought PJ Hogan into the room, and they're like. Oh, he's Australian. And the everyone in the room is like, oh, because <laughs> like uh, PJ Hogan and Baz Luhrmann, like Baz Luhrmann, his it's not that his stories are like gonzo, but his style is just like just everything in the kitchen sink being thrown at the screen. So I feel like Muriel's wedding feels so much more down to earth compared to a Baz Luhrmann, even though it has all these intricate plot points where the movie's just go in all different directions. Yeah. Who, what other, um, like we've got George Miller also. Yeah. Bonkers <laughs> movies coming bonkers. from George Miller. He did all the Mad Max <laughs> movies. Australia. Yeah. You, you got some gumption. Good on you. What can Good I say? on you, Australia. Good on you, Mike. Uh, so the, the guy's <laughs> like, <I> to. <laughs> he's like, here, uh, here's this Adonis. He needs to get married. Are you into that? Do you want to get married ha- to him? <laughs> Have an Adonis. And she's like, okay, I'll get married. Even though for ten thousand bucks. The coach They'll give her ten thousand bucks. That's important. The coach explains it crystal clear. It's like you guys are going to have a fake relationship. You're not going to be in love with each other. It is a fake marriage. It doesn't count in terms of love, but technically, yes, you'll be married. <laughs> and she's like, sweet, this sounds great. I love the swimmer. Cause he's like, he's very nervous about Muriel's energy. Yeah. <laughs> she, he's he's like, I don't know about this. And she just keeps sticking out her tongue at him. And I'm just, 
Yeah, <laughs> he just gets more and more scared. I like this is what I love about Muriel. She's so when when she when she's excited about something, she's so confident. Right, but it's just like Muriel, you understand that this isn't really what you want. But then if you think about it, it's like, well, she never said she wanted to fall in love. She wanted to get married. That's yeah. her goal. She wants uh-huh. to be a bride. And so this is it. This is perfect for shoving it in the face of her not friends. Because basically he's a trophy husband. Where he just I mean, looks he's the looking part. for he's looking for medals. And so he's both a trophy husband and a trophy husband. Right? You like yeah. that? You like uh-huh. that? Uh-huh. But he just has the status for her of he just looks right. a certain way that she's going to look and he's rich and she's going to be famous because of this marriage because she's he's some <laughs> yeah she's going <laughs> to run that tongue right over his beautiful eyes his chlorine tasting body <laughs> yeah uh so she goes through with it they get married they have this beautiful wedding and we get another left turn where the mom shows up and she's late and as Muriel because, because the they couldn't pay for the the dad wouldn't pay for the the plane ticket yeah for the mom. and as muriel's coming down the aisle she just misses her mom i don't think yeah, she actively she's ignores just her. distracted she just, yeah she just doesn't see her mom and her mom takes that absolutely personally which you would yeah who would oh my gosh just like she missed terrible. most of the wedding and at like the least the least the universe could give this very sweet woman is seeing her daughter and having her daughter see her and like just acknowledge each other but even that doesn't happen yeah and then at the wedding we also have a blow up between muriel and Rhonda because Rhonda's like this is fake bullshit like why are you you guys have nothing and you're marrying this guy what are you doing and you're leaving me and now i have to go home to freaking porpoise spit and live with my mom you were supposed to be my friend and you abandoned me and you betrayed me and I feel like this is another moment where I expected Muriel to be bright and to be like, no, 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 I'm marrying him for his money so that you and I can stay here. Just hang on for a little bit. Um, but no, Muriel doesn't think that many steps ahead. Like yeah. she she doesn't as a person. And so this is very true to who she is. It's pretty devastating. And so the movie really takes a left turn and we follow Muriel's mom for several minutes and we just kind of get her story for a while. After she gets caught by the same goddamn, what is she, a, a, a retail cop? You narc. You freaking narc. Yeah, fucking you narc, narc. man. She's, she has narc glasses. <laughs> yeah, so the we see the mom and it's this very humanist scene where she's just kind of gliding by in a grocery store and we see that her feet are really uncomfortable in these shoes and so she switches out her shoes with some more comfy shoes and you know we can see in her head she's thinking oh i'll pay for them at the register right and she quote unquote forgets you know there is this kind of similarity between her and muriel because yeah apparently muriel stole a dress but maybe it was a similar circumstance where she meant to pay for it on the way out sure but yeah. I like how much character development happens with this character, at least in my mind, where she's going, she's shopping and or she or her husband hasn't been with her for a while. And it almost feels like she's maybe making choices for herself that is good, where mm-hmm. she has these shoes that are way too tight for her feet. And she just sees these comfy shoes and immediately decides to put them on. And maybe this is her almost starting to make a healthy choice for herself now that this poisonous husband's out of her life. Right. But unfortunately the system kind of 
bones her because when like her husband basically has to come pick her up after she gets arrested for shoplifting five dollar yeah. shoes and um then he brings her home it's like basically packs his bag and then is like i'm leaving you and getting a divorce with like no emotion at all he's just like i don't want to be this anymore i'm out the door yeah and he's basically like you're an embarrassment you're the reason why our life is so terrible and i can't be around you anymore and then she has a quick fight with her son and then there's a scene in the kitchen where it's the first time we saw her too. Did you notice this bookend? Yeah. Where the yeah. first time we saw her, she was in the kitchen, just kind of staring off into space. And the last time we see her, she's just in the kitchen devastated because she's basically lost her entire family, which her whole life has been about. And then Muriel gets the call that her mom has died. Yeah. It's it's brutal. And it's like, I <sighs> oh thought I was watching a fun rom-com. It's like, no, these scenes are brutal really brutal brutal but like it's not mean it's not a mean movie like no. there's there's some movies like this that are like don't you get how dark the the world is i want you to suffer audience but this is like no understand that life is hard for these people because of bad choices that some people have made but there is a way to to come out of that and so let's let's actually jump back to muriel beforehand because she comes home from the wedding yeah, and the South African Adonis is basically like, my room, your room, pools downstairs, see ya. And she's like, okay. We get this very, uh, like, when, when she sits down on her bed by herself, it kind of felt a little bit like Emma Thompson in Love Actually, um, just having, like, a moment of quiet realization. Yeah. Where all of Rhonda's words have come true. It's like, she's married, but she doesn't like feel anything from it. Yeah. Cause she's now alone. Total disillusionment. So she goes home, they go to this funeral, the, they read this letter from a former prime minister saying my condolences and the dad's like, I got the former prime minister to write to us. And it's just like, what a dick. Yeah. Like you, this is the one, like you didn't pay attention to her in life. At least give her the credit of like paying attention at her funeral and you're still making it about you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it almost made me cry. And so the really interesting twist, and it's something that I was watching it. I'm like, Ooh, Kelly's going to hope that the movie does this. And it did it. Where... And it did it. I'm so glad you know me. It did it. <laughs> where the South African prince, I'm going to call him a prince now because he looks like a prince. He does look like a prince. Has sympathy for Muriel and they go back to their motel and they have this really sweet love scene because he actually kind of like sees her for a human finally. And they have this beautiful love scene. They have sex, but it's it's that kind of love where where it's a, a first time connection where they're not falling in love, but they have both chosen to be vulnerable with each other and he shows compassion to her mm -hmm. by connecting with her. And it's not like a pity lay. It's just that he felt real connection and she felt real connection. And they were both able to like be there with each other. I don't yeah. know. It was really beautiful. Yeah. But the next day Muriel finally really gets clarity and she's like, okay, I, I have to break up with you. And he's like, and he didn't even say like, but I love you now, but it was more like, I thought we had something here. Like we could have had fun. And she's like, yeah, I, nah. I think, he, I think he was just like, look, uh, like we can we can at least make this work and i think it'd be fun to like play out this four month thing that we're supposed to do yeah and she's and, like no that's not fair to you let's not do that yeah and and very very nicely he's like yeah okay 
that's fine. Fair enough. Like, I like you and they give each other a see you later and it's nice. Yeah. And uh, then she goes and confronts her dad, which is the scene, you know, really the movie's been waiting for is to set boundaries with her dad and be like, her dad's like, look, you got to come come home and help me raise the raise your siblings because I I can't do this. I I am stuck here. And, you know, I think he said that the beautician he was going to marry left him, too. No, no, she's. She was even there cleaning up the house after, yeah. oh, we didn't even say, Muriel's mom committed suicide. Yeah. Like, if that wasn't apparent. But, yeah. But no, she's there. Remember, he's like, she wants me, she's going to want to marry me now that she's taking care of my kids with me. Oh, right, right. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, Muriel, you have you have to stay here in Porpoise Pit and, and raise, raise these kids with me. And uh, Muriel's like, no, that's your job. I'm not doing that. You're the father. You have to step up and do it. And we're like, yes. Yes. And it's not this big scene where it's like she's like finally standing up for herself. It's just like a quiet, noble scene of like, nope, I'm not doing that. Yeah. It's really good. It is just so real. Yeah. And the finale of it is she goes to her friend, to Rhonda, where Rhonda's stuck hanging out with the plastics because no one else is going to hang out with her. And they're all complaining about sucking their husband's dicks. And they're, no, they're, they're complaining about <laughs> sucking other people's husband's dicks. Yeah. And Muriel's like, hey, I'm here. Let's go back to Sydney. And Rhonda's like, yes, okay, let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. And then they say goodbye to Porpoise Pit in their old lives. And to set to the soundtrack of ABBA. Bye, straight. Anybody could be that guy. Bye, Mom. Not as young and the music. Goodbye, Paige. Goodbye, Tyrus. Bye, Claudia. Goodbye, Stephanie. Ah, man, what a good movie. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just so overwhelmed with emotion. I, I Can we take a break? Let's take Come a break. Back. Let's take a break. Okay. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to Trope Talk. It's like the talk, but less awkward. Oh, I like it. I like it a lot. Very good. What's our trope today, Ryan? Trope is the bouquet. And mm, it's all it's, those flowers. It's, mm. it's the catching of the bouquet and what it means for whatever character is catching it from the bride's flinging of the bouquet. This signifies hope in some movies. This movie, it's desperation and status, mm-hmm. but it's it's almost, I think, at its very core, not necessarily in all the movies, but the bouquet toss is like saying, on, on, a, on an optimistic side, it's saying, hey, the world is filled with possibilities, right? Mm-hmm. And, and we believe that, like, you know, we don't know what's going to happen next, but, you know, you could have as much joy as I'm having today. Yeah. On on the less positive side, <laughs> what is it? Uh, it's your fate has been decided. You are doomed. <laughs> well, that and probably also that you are required by society standards to want to get married. Mm-hmm. I find either poll interesting for anyone to be on of like, you have Muriel, which her her desperate need to be married is actually very convoluted and complicated, and it isn't isn't a noble goal. Like we see in throughout even just the first act of Muriel's wedding, that she really wants to be married, but we're all just kind of sitting there. It's like, but why, Muriel? Why do you want this so badly? Because we don't see it. We don't see why it's so so valuable, other than the surface level. 
Yeah, other than the fact that she doesn't know what it's like to even date. Mm -hmm. And so it it feels like like if you've never <laughs> if you've never worked on a film set, I can I can tell you it looks very glamorous from the outside. <laughs> and then once you do it, it's harder than that. <laughs> yeah. There there's the other there's the other opposite opposite end where it's like everyone's going to be asking you to like whoa when's the big day when you can get married you're dating this guy so you got to get married now blah 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 and uh, i think clock's ticking <laughs> i think the the aspect to male privilege is very prevalent in this circumstance where it's like no one really asked ryan so when are you gonna get married when i was like 22 like i didn't deal no, i got asked that all the time see that's weird i just i've <laughs> never yeah, seen I, I other think... guys deal with that either you're the only guy i've ever met who's ever said that that is something that he's dealt with i i i mean i know other guys who have dealt with it but i think very much societally men far less than women um i think it's changed a lot recently i can't imagine what it's what it's like to deal with that though especially in the like the nineties yeah, where we're coming out of the eighties and it's like weddings are fun. Wedding dress stores are like now a thing. Oh yeah. Like, like they've become almost commercialized. And so it's in your face all the time. And I think this movie is very much pointing it out that like you could, you could look up like 20 wedding dress shops in big cities and it's, you know, no big deal. You could, you go to all of them and they're not talking about this girl who's, you know, sister is in a coma <laughs> to each other. Right. Whereas like if we, you were in a small town, it's like, you know, you, you don't have to run into a wedding all the time because not everybody's getting married and there's no like, I don't know. I'm, I don't know. I'm just, I'm kind of rambling now, but <laughs> well, I, I always find it interesting. I don't really meet people in real life who are like this. It's more people in movies that are like, uh, why is everyone always asking me to get married? What if I don't want to get married? And it's like, okay, then don't get married. <laughs> it's just, there's such this, like, I, I think it's more just verbalizing this pressure that's generalized by all these other things. Like the pressures from like the wedding industry complex and like nosy family members and nosy friends. For me, I'm just like, ah, oh, we'll say screw them. Who cares what they think? But it's just like, I don't deal with that pressure. So it's harder for me to like really empathize because I, I haven't been in this, the, their shoes. I don't even think that this movie is like really touches on that. Cause nobody, nobody at all ever pressures Muriel to get married. Well, that's kind of because the movie doesn't expect it of her. The The world doesn't expect right. Muriel to get married. That's what I'm saying. And so all the pressure that's being put on her is other people saying that it's important to them. Right. And so if, if Muriel wants to be a part of that, she has to put that pressure on herself because nobody else will. Yeah. And it's something in, in my life where I've, checked myself and there's two questions i i've stopped asking people one is when are you going to have are you do you ever want to have kids or have a baby to people i don't know very well because it's like that's a really complicated question you shouldn't be asking that because they might have a really complicated story behind whether or not they can have kids and maybe not get into that with these people you barely know so i've stopped asking that question and basically just said What's some goals you guys have for the next few years? And if they want to bring it up, let them bring it up. <laughs> I think that's super healthy. I, it's so funny that you bring that up because I, 
I've been traveling for work and I, I got kind of close to uh, somebody that I'm staying with. Not close, like we've only known each other for five days, but I definitely know a little bit about his like, you know, personal history. Uh-huh. And there came a point in time today to ask about that, like um, where, you know, he was talking about like his future a little bit and we were talking about you know, like whether I want to have kids. And so I brought it up back and, right. you know, it was a nice conversation, but it wouldn't be like, it's not something for parties. Right. Like where it's like you're introduced to a couple and you've been talking for five minutes and you've run out of something to say. And you're like, so guys thinking about having kids sometime soon. <laughs> and it's like, for all, for all, you know, it's like, yes, we've had four miscarriages. Do you want to talk about that? <laughs> yeah. Which is I, it's very real, <laughs> you know. So it's just like, uh, let's let's not get into that territory. And I think, like, cousin to that is like, uh, do you think you'll ever get married? Or are you going to get married soon? Or or anything that implies kind of a like, well, obviously you should be getting married soon. What's your plan? What's what's the deal? When right. when when's this happening? I think if we were watching the TV show of this movie, the whole first episode would be a little bit of that. Yeah, which. Could you have, this is a longer rom-com. It's an hour and 45 minutes. Um, Like not too much longer, Mm -hmm. but were there any parts of this movie that you wanted like maybe more seen from? Um, No, I thought it it struck a perfect balance. I I thought it shouldn't be any longer because if it felt any longer, then it wouldn't feel like a rom-com. It would feel like more of a dramedy. I'm not talking I'm not talking about like this movie's structure. I'm saying was there any more information that you just would like to know about any of these characters? I mean, uh, it's it's one of those things where if Muriel's wedding was a 10 episode TV show, I think there'd be plenty of stuff to do, but I think <laughs> you're, you're not answering my question. No, no, <laughs> there's well Yes, but that's true for any good movie that I like. What I want to in I, a I'm movie? I'm just wondering, no. but I'm no. <laughs> I'm asking what you're interested in, you asshole. <laughs> I'm asking, is there something that you like liked about this movie, but wanted to know more about? Um, hmm. I guess I don't watch movies in that regard. You like? Well, for for instance, I I wanted to see a couple more days of the the couple the swimmer and muriel uh their their relationship together just because when when he did was there for her even though i liked that it happened it i i was like i don't even know why you're here like <laughs> like you you didn't show you guys on the plane together right you know there was nothing of them getting to a point where it seemed like he would feel comfortable doing that. And so even though I liked it, I fell out of left field and I was like, you know what? I could have used like an extra day there just exploring what their daily life was like. That's interesting to me. Interesting to me. I always watch movies always with structure, just a part of what I'm looking at of like, I'm always just thinking of like, how long have I been sitting with this movie? It was one of those interesting things where it's like, wow, I never checked my phone for the time or anything. Like I was just like plugged into this movie. It was an experience. And that's what I love about a good movie where you're like really distracted for two hours or an hour and 45 minutes. But I'm always thinking of like, should they flesh this thing out or that thing out? Ah, I don't need it. Let's keep going. There's always this semblance of time when I'm experiencing movies. Whereas TV shows are just kind of like, uh, maybe this episode should be about this. So I'm sorry I can't answer your question in the way that you want it answered, but I feel like that's my th- problem that I've got. 
Wait, what's your problem? That I that I don't think of it in terms of I would like to know X Y Z about characters, unless I'm also thinking in terms of do we have time in the time frame of this movie to expand X Y Z, not just like here's some information for you. That seems like you're not experiencing the movie as much as thinking about it critically in the moment. Well, in a different way. <laughs> I mean, it's a it's a time based medium, Kelly. So what can I say? Oh. I think I am. All right, that's fair. I love him so much. We, you know, we we talked a little bit about tropes, but I, I we didn't really touch on the fact that this is our second, like, f- friend, or maybe our third friend movie where we had Francis Ha, yeah, and then we had I Love You Man, yeah, and this movie really feels like the two best friends uh, who are driving in the uh, taxi on the way out of the city, it feels like they're about to go on their honeymoon. Yeah. It totally feels like the love story that this movie is trying to tell is their story. Yeah. And I mean, what do you think out of the three we've seen so far? Um, where does this one land for you? Uh, in terms of quality of the film itself or the quality of the friendship on screen or mm. the relationship arc, uh, whatever you want to talk about. Uh, in terms of relationship arc, I think this is, Probably second place to I Love You Man because I Love You Man, it's like it's all about their friendship. Sure. And Francis Ha, Sophie and Francis have a really complicated friendship, and the movie doesn't even really get into how complicated it is. It just kind of gets that like Francis has got a weird life in New York City, and Sophie complicates it. Um, so definitely second above, it's definitely above Francis Ha. That's That's how I feel too. And I'm glad that this movie decided against her and the swimmers relationship or her and Bryce's relationship yeah, and focused on the true wedding, which is the wedding of these two friends. Yeah. They've got a really good love story and I'm just watching it and the movie is ending. I'm like, they're going to be okay. They're going to have a, yeah. a life together. I know it. Yeah. Like I wanted to see the sequel about them. Yeah. There should be a sequel about them. What's Rachel Griffiths I, up to? She can she can hang out. Man, Rachel Griffiths is up to everything. She's so great. Mm-hmm. I was sad though about Bryce. I know like, he seemed like Bryce. such a sweetheart, didn't he? Yeah, and it's just <laughs> like they didn't even do the rom com thing where he gets a consolation prize of some girl at the wedding, where you know he gets gets someone, he gets no one. There's no one there for him. Yeah, I, why is he at the wedding? I don't know. I think that's how little regard muriel has where she's just like oh i know him he could come to the wedding it's like muriel no 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 he wanted to date you he motorboated me once <laughs> you don't you don't invite him to the wedding you're gonna break his heart and his heart is broken and he actually i can't believe he went <laughs> i i know and i i like i almost thought he was gonna object or something yeah but like that whole walk down the wedding or the aisle that she does where everybody's looking at her as if she's just kind of garbage <laughs> yeah is so except for him he's looking at her as if like he's like please don't do this like ugh, i don't know man there's so many moments of this movie that just tore me apart yeah very <laughs> honest very good good people in this movie uh mostly bad people it's like the plastics her parent or her dad um their wedding guests but her best friend her ex-boyfriend i guess they're good people do you hear that? Oh, I, I think I hear something in the distance. What is that? Whoa, whoa, it just went by really fast. Oh, hey, what's that floating down from the ceiling? 
I see. Um, it says it's from the train man. Oh no! Here, hold on. Let me open this up. Oh, Kelly, it's your essay. The train man brought your essay. Oh, that's nice. Was there a note from the train man in there? Yeah, it just says, "I have a name." Uh, F you guys. F you guys. What's that supposed to mean? I guess he's. I think it's French. I I think F you guys is his name. F you guys. F you guys. F you guys. Well, thanks, F you guys. Thanks. Thanks. I, I think I'm still going to call him by his his true title, the train man. But the train man. F, F you guys is really, is you know, he's a nice, he's a gentleman. Yeah. F you guys. Yeah. I like him. I can tell that he really likes us. We should. But it, do you pay him? Do you tip him? No. Have you ever tipped him? No. No. Let's not. No, never. I don't think I was. I don't do that. Yeah. But it has your essay in here, and I really like this essay. I've, I've already read it. I read it that quickly. Uh, you wrote this about is an essay from what? This is for our Patreon. Oh, on we, our Patreon. That's right. Mm-hmm. We have exclusive. Uh, ep- <laughs> we have exclusive essays every week, and this week you got to write some about something, and you wrote about travel and all the things that come with it. The 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 joys the the woes the the very long tired days. I couldn't believe that you're only. I mean, you are across the country, but it took you like all day to get to Atlanta from Portland. Yeah, I well, I, yeah, because I I woke up at three thirty, and then I landed in Atlanta at six p.m. Yikes! Oh, plus <laughs> you, you get the time change there. That's yeah, that's what's yeah. really screwing you up. Uh, oh. But you also you kind of also write about this phenomenon of when we're watching characters on screen what we can infer from what their traveling has been, because that's something that movies always skip over. They never really show what, you know, happens when we travel other than, um, you know, when love actually is all around us at the airport, we see that, (laughs) but we don't really see the mundane stuff of the in-between. And you, you brought up some interesting points of like, maybe we should see it. What are we supposed to infer? And you know what I did like about Muriel's wedding when she, when she lugs all of her um, all of her luggage up the stairs in her house, she's been carrying all of these things like from the airport into the taxi, and gotten them out of the taxi herself probably because she's Muriel and her life sucks, um, <laughs> and then carried them upstairs and carried them back downstairs, and we just know that like what she has in these bags is what she's taking with her to wherever she's going next, and she's like you know, flew on a plane and is traveling in a taxi all day. I don't know. I just, I I always find that fascinating what filmmakers choose to show travel wise and like what that, what that means to our characters or how our characters travel. I don't know. I just find it interesting. I know. And it's, it's one of those things where you're always editing my script and you're like, we don't know this. Why don't you show this? And I'm just thinking, because we don't have to. <laughs> like, you Which have is, all these things. You're like, I would like to see this. I'm like, but we don't need it. It's true 95% of the time. 95% of the time, you don't need to know how or, like, how a person got there. It needs to reveal plot or character, and it needs to... But but some of the best movies, like, I love I love a Quentin Tarantino movie when, when somebody's traveling. Um, oh, yeah. You know, like, there's the get, there's the just, so- Socratic dialogues that Tarantino gets out of people driving around in cars. Yeah. And just seeing like how they drive or like whether they eat while they drive. Um, right. Or like what kind of flyer are they? Are they the kind that talks to their neighbor on the plane or the kind that like sleeps all, the whole time? Like Cameron Diaz in The Holiday, you know? Right. 
Um, that's true. There are very good examples. When it's done, it's done well. So yeah, that's your essay on the Patreon. Uh, if you guys want to sign up and read it, it's it's there waiting along with other other essays written by you and me. There's other things that you can check out. There's some bonus episodes. We just did one on Wonder Woman and uh-huh. the glorious history of Wonder Woman, which is multivarious and full of uh, things that you would not expect. <laughs> really, truly I- not expect. <laughs> And this month, I think we should uh, we should tell everybody what we're doing this month. Uh, we've decided because one of our patrons asked us to, and we said, "Hell yeah, we're going to do that. We're going to do Solo, a Star Wars story, the best Star Wars movie Disney has made so far." Ooh, them some strong words. And <laughs> Kelly Kelly got to school me on Wonder Woman and DC Comics and all the lore that comes with it, so that he could help me appreciate the movie Wonder Woman even more and I get to do the same for Kelly with Star Wars and we get to explain a lot of the easter eggs and the things going on with that movie and why I feel it is such a good movie and why I think it is worth every reconsideration and people 20 years from now I will say it I will mark it everyone's going to be talking about Solo a Star Wars story they're not going to be talking much about the sequel trilogy said it I said it I dropped it or Rogue One or Rogue One this will be the one that they'll be talking about and and the patron that uh, uh, I, I'm gonna say her um, her rom com title because she also has a rom com title that was sent to us by uh, Brandy, uh, aka Regent of all rom comery. Uh, mm, we've given like titles to all of our all of our patrons at this point in time. Yeah, and uh, uh, finally, we also have our April patron movie poll, and this month we are letting patrons help us pick the next movie we're going to do, which will be in two weeks, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, you've got... Yes? Yeah, you patrons have one week left now that you're hearing this on Sunday. You have the rest of the week to vote, but then voting will be closed, uh, which voting will be closed basically... Saturday, April 30th, we're closing voting. Okay. So the four options are The Best Man, Down With Love, Always Be My Maybe, and Return to Me. And currently, Down With Love is winning. And I put I put an Instagram post and I said, hey, we're, we've got these movies up. And I got a lot of comments for Return to Me, but I couldn't take them as 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 canonical yeah, votes. Yeah, you, you have to be part of the patreon in order to do this i'm sorry so if you want to change the course of history it's going to be down with love unless someone jumps in and gets a few more votes for return to me so and uh, you know i was actually talking to uh, a couple people today that i'm working with um on a very weird project yeah some strange things afoot down there and they yeah they're yeah they really are and they were really gunning for the best man they were like, oh, oh I, hope, I hope the best man wins. And I'm like, look, <laughs> I can't do anything about this. There's <laughs> very strict rules. Only patrons can can change the world. So only $2.50 a month, $2.50. That's one coffee a month for just the voting if you want. Uh, there's always there's something for every tier, and, and they stack on top of each other. Uh, like flapjacks, if if you if you wanted to go that route, so <laughs> like Mir- like Muriel's <laughs> myriad problems, so which is the name of her blog. <laughs> that oh man, Muriel's blog. If she had a blog, that would be something. Dude, I would I would love to read Muriel's blog. You know, Muriel would be the kind of person who would have a Facebook that would have the longest Facebook posts about things. <laughs> yeah, I like I I bet I bet I don't know. Is Muriel the kind of person that's like? 
my life sucks. Please tell no, me that no, you love no. me. No, no, no. She would she would write things where it's like, so this happened to me one day when yes, I was working at the video more. store, and it would uh-huh. be this thing where it's like, all I got from this story, Muriel, is that you have a very sad life. Is that what <laughs> you want me to be getting? Or she'd be like, so this crazy thing happened to me the other day. I was about to have sex for the first time, and then these two naked guys burst out of the room. And it's like, no, this is on your wall. Like, everybody can read this. <laughs> this is not your diary, Muriel. Anyways, speaking of Muriel's sex life, you can go to patreon.com slash romcomjet. Romcom gents. Mm, to, that's the one. To vote, to read our essays, to listen to our bonus episodes. Um, Ryan, I need you to tell me right now, what is your rom-com I had to do that quietly because somebody's sleeping in the Because you have a roommate now. (laughs) (laughs) I got to give it best actress to Toni Collette. Yep. I'm actually, I'm doing the same thing. Best. This is a double Oscar. Then best supporting actress to Rachel Griffiths. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 We're that's, this is group. Double effort. Double, Double Oscar, actress Oscars. Yeah, they're they're so good. And then I in like in my rom com Oscars, there would also be a nomination for the mother. Just to be like, well, she's got to be nominated too. She won't yeah. win because Rachel Griffiths has more to do and has more work to do in this yep. movie. But got to give her a nomination. I actually really like when there's two actors from the same movie nominated for best uh, supporting because I'm like, man, that movie must be really, really yeah. good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I think we've already said all the great things that both Tony Collette and Rachel Griffiths does. But, you know, Rachel Griffiths, it must be said, is the Lieutenant Dan of this movie. She uh, had a, a legacy that she was going after and it was ruined, and now she is bound by a wheelchair. And it basically is getting the same kind of like pathos that Forrest Gump mm-hmm. gets at. And I'd say mission accomplished. And I, I love how her storyline mirrors Muriel's because, like, basically, she, like, Muriel's trying to get her to walk, right? Which is not necessarily a status per se, but it's something where she's like trying to help her get to a point that she thinks she needs to be at, which is walking, Mm -hmm. which, you know, she wants to, but then when she finds out that she's going to have like another surgery and she's not going to be able to walk, she kind of like accepts where she is in life and Muriel and and like who she is. And even though it sucks because she has to go home, she's like, I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep living. I'm going to keep being true to who I am. Mm -hmm. And, then Muriel kind of like learns that lesson through her a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I mean, at least it's in the background. Yeah. I yeah. love it. I love her. I love Tony Collette, but I have to ask you, who do you love? Are there any circumstances in which uh, the two of you might be more than just good friends? The truth of it is I loved you from the first second I met you. <laughs> But mostly I hate the way I don't hate you. Not even close. Not even a little bit. Not even at all. You have bewitched me, body and soul. And I love, and love, and love you. I know. Gosh, this is a tough one for me. Do you have an answer to this? I think I have to go with Rhonda, with Rachel Griffiths. Just because Muriel... I love her heart and I I love her but it's mo- one of those things where it's like just not that way. <laughs> like it's, it's it's very 
like I'm your friend, I'm your buddy, I feel what you're going through, but there's some things that you do that wouldn't work for me romantically. Like I I know you learned your lesson and all, but I don't know. I I don't really want to deal with that. And I I feel like with Rhonda with Rachel Griffiths, she like you said before, it's like she f- still found her verve for life and figured out not to let the wheelchair get her down and, you know, I find that electric and uh, attractive. Yeah. See, I'm torn because uh, my heart is saying Rachel Griffiths as well, Rhonda. But the thing about Muriel is she's kind of like, she kind of Bill Murray's since we just watched Groundhog's Day. <laughs> she she becomes her best self at the end of this movie. Right, right. And I would really, really like it if the, like I got to see a little bit more of that Muriel because I bet she'd be real great. Um, so just for the sake of things, I'd probably go with Rhonda. Just now I'm going to say Rhonda, but okay. I want, I want to say Muriel. I just, I, I haven't, I haven't gotten there. You'll yet be tempted by Muriel in life. Yeah. You're like, Oh, did I make the right choice? I, I did, but you got something going on, Muriel. Yeah. But there'll always be a question, <laughs> a, a whisper, a hint, a rumor. Uh, well, Kelly, before we go, uh, I've got some letters for you. <gasps> Some letters for me? More from the train man? <laughs> yeah, from... What's his name? F, uh, F, F U, you guys. F you guys? <laughs> That's G-U-I-S. Hey, Flo. Huh? Mail come. Got mail for you. Oh, Pete, you got mail. You sent me a letter. You got mail. Okay, the first one is a very interesting letter. We got a... I got a message from someone on Instagram. Uh, her account is Inglorious Baguettes. I don't even know oh, her name, but go nice check handle. out. Yeah, go check out Inglorious Baguettes. She is a fan of rom-com, films, and bread. <laughs> so she's got a great, great profile. Uh, hey, Ryan, so, did you know that bread makes you fat? Bread makes you fat? <laughs> okay, thank you. Uh, so she commented on one of our... Uh, old episode posts on on the Instagram every Sunday there will be a new episode uh, image and this one was for It's Complicated and she wrote that she was finally listening to it. I'm like cool let me know what you think of it Uh, and she did and she's like oh I have so many complicated thoughts. I'm like DM us I want to know everything. I want to know it so I'm going to read it off to you and Lay, lay it on me Yeah. so she said So first off, thank you for delivering such an evocative podcast episode, haha, regarding It's Complicated. Here are my thoughts, as you mentioned I should DM, hopefully not too rambling. So I mostly agreed with Ryan, I think, on this, as a fan (laughs) of the movie. I just think that the escapism in the movie completely works. She's obviously wealthy, but there was no moment where it mattered to me where it came from, because I felt like, especially at her age, there could be a million reasons why she's able to afford a place like that. I also assumed that Alec Baldwin's character had helped pay for it initially, and she got it when they divorced, as he was the one who was at fault, and his family continued to live there. But the biggest reason I stand for the house and the bakery job is that Nancy Myers is creating a charming lifestyle centered around these things. And part of her auteur thing is that we expect exceptional interior design in her films. Totally true. Uh, She goes on to say, I think it's escapist because I think after viewing this movie, it just makes everyone want to bake more, grow a garden, get high, take long baths, create bright open spaces with plants and cozy blankets and so on, as opposed to actually needing to go win the lotto and buy that specific mansion. 
I can't speak for all women, but I think the house and idea that she learned to bake in Paris and now gets to run this cute boutique spot was equally, if not more, a part of the fantasy as the sneak as the sneaky affair. I also agreed on the points about Alec Baldwin's character being the fantasy, partially because he is now off limits, which feels really relatable, and partially because he is that confident person who continues to woo her, as mentioned on the episode. But it's also about her backsliding and not being really, really being over him, sort of as her vice. And when she finally turns him down in the end, even when they could openly be together, I think that's the biggest breakthrough of all. I also, I think in the therapy session, they make a bunch of points about her not being able to let loose and she kind of overthinks everything. So her decision to act selfishly and spontaneously is a huge win. I think what makes this movie interesting is that it is more of her personal journey to becoming a empty nester by herself and learning to be confident enough to make healthy choices for herself, like being with a Steve Martin type, and take big steps, like finally doing the remodel on her house, where she usually lives her life to convenience everyone else. Lastly, haha, I think some of the goofy weed one-liners were more designed in the interest of making it seem like what an out-of-practice 60-plus something would act if they were high. I will say when I saw it in theaters that that was the primary demographic, and they were in hysterics the whole time. So that that was her message, and you can edit it. If you need to, <laughs> um, but I I I like the part where she agrees with me. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I don't necessarily disagree with anything she says. Um, I do think that the movie was about all of those things, and I did like um, parts of it for sure. I I just um, I think the escapism in particular that personal kind of um escapism kind of bores me i if i'm if i'm gonna do some baking escapism it's gonna be with like julie and julia or or... the great british (laughs) bake-off well no that's not really escapism because it's documentary (laughs) but what's a what's another what's another baking movie waitress there's a lot of baking in waitress but you but you can see the point that there is it is a type of escapism and it's like if it's your flavor it's your flavor you know it's it's maybe it's not your cup of tea but you can see why other people kind of appreciate this kind of nancy myers type of escapism i can uh, very much so i think the nancy myers style is just not to my taste is all and like in the same way that um artichoke hearts are not really to my taste you monster but yeah it is it is to my taste i really appreciate you writing in and um i i like that when like one of the two of us really dislikes a movie that there are people out there that are like you know what i appreciate what you guys said but i'm standing by this yeah 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 it helps it helps me feel totally totally backed up <laughs> like well you should get some um laxatives or something like. um and glorious baguettes thank you so much like anybody who writes in you're just uh, a treat and a scholar i appreciate you i have one quick one uh, on top of that i also got a message from katie everidge on instagram she said uh here's some suggestions to add to your list oh uh, nice the mirror has two faces did we was that the robert downey jr one i can't remember I don't know. I've never heard of The Mirror Has Two Faces, but it, it generally only has one, so I'm intrigued. <laughs> Doesn't matter. It's on the list. Uh, Chasing Liberty, How to Deal, America's Sweethearts, where I'm like, oh, that's got to be... Oh, and we didn't have it on our list. I felt really embarrassed that that wasn't on our list already. Uh, American Sweethearts. America's yeah. Sweethearts and The Prince and Me. So those have all been added to the list. It will. Wait, it The will Prince be... and Me is already on there for sure. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Then take off my duplicate. But... <laughs> um, those weren't the only movies we got today. 
Oh, you got more movies. Yeah, wait, who was that? Who was who are those ones from? That was from Katie Everidge. Katie Everidge uh, on Instagram? Yeah. Nice. Um, yes. So uh, a couple of my coworkers today uh, decided that we needed more movies on our list as well. And these were two people that I worked with, and they suggested a couple of movies. Jasmine Taylor suggested uh, writing. No, uh, she suggested killing. What was it? <laughs> John Tucker Must Die. She, yeah, she she suggested John Tucker Must Die. Gosh, I'm so tired. <laughs> and uh, Destiny, Destiny Etheridge uh, recommended Riding in Cars with Boys. Oh, yeah, yeah, Drew Barrymore. Yeah, which uh, neither of us had on here. So um, I'm really excited for both of those and all the ones you mentioned. Please keep writing in, everybody. We're, we're trying to get um, like the most diverse list of rom-coms and romances that has ever been created yeah we're definitely looking for more black voices more asian voices you know the this genre has been lambasted for being really white and it's just kind of like let's change that let's start celebrating not just the white <laughs> our, movies <laughs> our ours our our pool of paint is uh growing by the day as i'm looking uh in this oh yeah oh yeah there's 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 some good ones coming up yeah so that's Muriel's Wedding. We love it. We highly recommend it. Uh, it's it's so choice. It is. I do highly recommend picking up a Muriel's Wedding. <laughs> um, well, Ryan, what are we watching next week? I will tell you what we are watching next week. I mean, that's what I just asked. Oh. So um, go ahead. Okay, hold on. Ryan's picking out a movie. Yeah, he's looking at his hard drive. No, that's just his monitor. Yeah, it's hard making okay. up these lyrics. Okay. okay. Uh, okay. Give me a number between 1 and 166. 166. That's your that's your choice? Yeah. <laughs> we are watching the Netflix original movie, The Kissing Booth. <laughs> oh no. Oh well, as as a man who is uh not near his wife, I was hoping for a movie with, you know, less focus on the sensuality of love. the kissing both. The kissing. But, you know, I'll take it. I'll live. Okay. Well, hey, I just want to say I hope you're doing well in Atlanta. You know, if you see any strange things, let me know about it. I don't I will. You know. I will. But uh, otherwise, I'm trying to stay safe. Time. Yeah. But I, I I love you so much and I miss you. And um, you know what? I love you like you're my best friend. Oh, well, I love you so much so that I'm going to give you a genuine compliment. I think you're just the best. Ah, right back at you, brother. <clears throat> and this is where we will say oh, goodbye. Ryan and Kelly must bid you adieu. Thank you for listening to our review. Rate and subscribe, we'll even take a bribe. So see you next week on the Gentleman's Guide. To rom-coms. Ryan, there's so, there's so much pollen here. I'm going to take a Claritin tomorrow morning. It's going to fix all my problems. I think you have allergies.